The Canadian National Firearms Association says that the Solicitor General of Ontario promises not to use Ontario funds to support the federal government's gun buyback program. Canada's health minister has announced that the availability of doctor-assisted murder, euphemistically called MAID, for people with mental illnesses will be delayed until 2027. And the LGBTQ cult known as Transianity continues its aggressive colonization of Canadian culture through violence, corruption, and coercive re-education. Our goal, as always, is to bring you news, culture, and politics from a distinctly Christian, conservative, and Canadian perspective. It's February 6th. I'm Andrew Bartolo. This is Liberty Dispatch News Brief. If you are using MailChimp, HubSpot, or Salesforce for email marketing, CRM and sales, you probably know they've been canceling voices of freedom and truth. That's why we at Liberty Coalition Canada have switched to Sales Nexus. Sales Nexus is a complete business marketing and sales solution that won't tell you what you should say or believe. Try it yourself at salesnexus.com and get two users for the price of one with the promo code Liberty. Again, that is salesnexus.com, promo code Liberty. So, breaking story on Sunday morning, Canada's National Firearms Association posted this on X. Quote, exclusive statement to the in-house lobbyist of Canada's National Firearms Association. The Honorable Michael S. Kersner, Ontario Solicitor General, has assured Canada's National Firearms Association that the Ford Ontario government will not be using limited provincial resources to aid the Liberal NDP coalition with their planned buyback scheme to confiscate, process, and destroy politically targeted firearms from legal, vetted, and licensed Ontario owners. Without assistance from the Ontario government, the implementation of federal firearms confiscations will be an exceptionally more difficult undertaking. Close quote. This is very good news. Considering people, including someone you may know, I'm not going to say who it is, but you probably know this person and love this person and listen to this person. This person lives in Ontario. Again, I'm not telling you who they are. This person owns a number of the firearms on the list that the federal government wants to steal from him. Again, I'm not telling you who it is. You know him. You love him. You listen to him. He's happy about this news. Again, I'm not telling you who it is. Now, I feel like this might be uncharacteristic for us on a Monday morning, but there is yet another spot of good news, or at the very least, news that's not quite as bad as it it could have been. So if you recall, the plan for our federal government was to expand doctor-assisted murder and suicide, which they call MAID because they always love to cover up their evil in darkness. They wanted to expand it to people suffering with mental illnesses this coming March. So just a month or so, six weeks, I think March 24th was the original date. Now, I am pleased to announce that this legislated murder will be delayed for a few more years, preventing people from needless death, at least for now. This is from Globalist News. You may know them as Global News, but really, again, I like to take off the mask and the veneer of falsehood. Globalist News says this, quote, the liberal government is delaying the expansion of medical assistance in dying, made, 
for people solely suffering from a mental illness until 2027. Health Minister Mark Holland and Justice Minister Arif Virani made the announcement on Thursday morning while discussing new legislation to formalize the delay. Holland says all of his provincial and territorial counterparts have told him their health care system is not ready for the expansion. By setting out a timeline of three years, it's an indication that the systems need to move toward readiness in two years. There's the opportunity to do another review and to assess the readiness of the system through a parliamentary process, Holland said Thursday, close quote. Now, it could very well be the case that the reason for the delay is provinces saying they're not yet equipped for this kind of genocide of people struggling with mental illness issues. It could be that. Or it could be them saving face in the light of what's been rather massive pushback. Either way, that's less confused and hurting people murdered by doctors for the next three years. Now, it's amazing to me how much of this death cult glorifies murdering people. The Cultural Action Party reported this, quote, in 2022, the total number of made provisions increased by 31.2%, that's 2022 over 2021, compared to 32.6%, that's 2021 over 2022. The annual growth rate in made provisions has been steady over the past six years, with an average growth rate of 31.1% from 2019 to 2022, close quote. So this is the question. Why the push to murder so many people? Now, in part, money. When you have the Canadian Medical Association making statements like the following, quote, the implementation of assisted suicide will save the Canadian healthcare system between 34.7 and $136.8 million per year, close quote. All I can say about the Canadian Medical Association and about this death cult in Canada is that Hitler would be thoroughly proud of these demons for what they want to do. Our federal government, I mean, they have to try to save money wherever it can. After all, it needs to fund its campaign to destroy Canada from the inside, and that costs a lot of money. Now, how much will it cost us, you might be wondering? Well, here's just a little bit of a sample this is from True North News, quote, according to a report from the Fraser Institute measuring how much Canadians are paying to service federal and provincial debts, the average taxpayer contributes thousands of dollars per year to pay off government debt at all levels. In total, Canadians are expected to spend $81.8 billion, that's billion with a B, in debt service payments with the lion's share of the debt coming from the federal government. The federal government is expected to pay $46.5 billion in payments on the national debt, accounting for 10.2% of the federal government's revenue. The federal government is expected to pay $46.5 billion in payments on the national debt, accounting for 10.2% of the federal government's revenues. For context, the federal government will spend $49.4 billion on the Canada Health Transfer, a major component of Canada's health care funding scheme. The average taxpayer in Newfoundland and Labrador will pay $3,225 in taxes to help pay off the federal and provincial government's debts in 2024. In Ontario, 
that number is $2,048. And in Quebec, the number is $2,323, close quote. So if you were keeping track there, the federal government will be paying more in debt payments than it will be in the Canada Health Transfer. Or, again, if you were paying attention, one-tenth of the federal government's revenues will be spent in paying off the debt. And just in case you don't realize that, they're using our money to pay off their debt. Now, what are they spending all of our money on? That's another great question. This is from the National Post. Quote, Immigration Minister Mark Miller said Wednesday his government will provide an additional $362.4 million to provinces and cities to house thousands of asylum claimants who are coming to Canada in record numbers, close quote. On top of being economically damaging, this will also have huge cultural ramifications. I know that's not particularly popular to say in our woke moment, but it will have cultural ramifications for our country. Now, we also have this from CTV News. Quote, hundreds of Alberta healthcare workers unvaccinated against COVID-19 are being financially compensated after firing grievances with their union. Sorry, after filing grievances with their union because they were let go. This week, Alberta Health Services, AHS, and Alberta Precision Laboratories employees are set to be paid out with some receiving as much as $5,000 for their pandemic labor interruption. AHS said of the 260 employees who filed grievances with the HSAA, 95 have been determined eligible by an arbitrator to receive a payment, close quote. Now, of course, it's good that they'll be compensated, but that's about a half a million dollars, again, our tax dollars, wasted because of tyrannical COVID policies. And we can imagine that number will grow because more and more people will be receiving payouts, not just in Alberta, but in other provinces and other organizations if precedent is set. So the federal government and the provincial governments decide to act like petty tyrants. They waste a bunch of money. They destroy businesses. They destroy economies. And then they have to use our money to pay for their buffoonery. Wasteful, wasteful spending. But we're not done yet. This is from LifeSite News. Quote, Canadian taxpayers will now have to pay for sex change surgeries for members of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Last week, the RCMP announced that it will fund sex change surgeries and other gender-affirming care procedures for members of the RCMP under their regular member health benefits, according to a memo leaked to the counter signal. I'm pleased to inform you that gender-affirming care benefit provisions have been added to regular member health benefits, a memo to RCMP officers read. According to the memo, published January 24th, the benefit is worth $75,000 and is in part, sorry, is part of a new program to advance the RCMP's ongoing commitment to creating a more modern, inclusive, and representative workforce, close quote. So in summary, Canada is wasting money to fund its own self-destruction. And in case you forgot, Canadians are the one that voted these neo-Marxists into power. Let's move on. 
Uh, let's move to more serious stories that expose the corruption of our elected officials in the hopes of reminding you that you must not only pray and work for God to bring some sort of revival and reformation in our country, but also for you to stop voting like a pagan in the hopes that lesser evil pagans will save us from greater evil pagans. And if you've listened to me at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, speaking of some very evil pagan leaders, this story was first broken by CTV News. Quote, as progress on some measures in the Liberal NDP confidence and supply agreement continued to play out publicly, and I'll just stop there for a minute, the Liberal NDP confidence and supply agreement is another way of saying the NDP is prostituting out its vote to the Liberals for money in order to push a Liberal agenda. But again, they, they have fancy words for it, but that's exactly what it is. So, the two parties have been quietly in talks to table electoral reform legislation before the next federal vote. Specifically, the Liberals and New Democrats agreed to explore, one, allowing an expanded three-day voting period during general elections, two, allowing voters to cast their ballots at any polling place within their riding, and three, improving the mail-in ballot process with both accessibility and maintaining integrity in mind, close quote. Now, I'm sure these changes have nothing to do with helping progressives to secure a victory in the next election, said no one with a brain working on minimal capacity and who has been alive for the past three years. We know what's going on here. We saw it happen south of the border. Election laws are changed in an evil, lawless manner in order to accomplish an agenda Oh, and then we might change it back afterward. We're done just so that when the next political party comes into power, whenever they do, they might not be able to use it against us. It's all corruption. It's all corruption. Now, here's a story from Black Locks reporter that feels very similar to the story about the company that designed a RiveCan that was contracted out by the federal government to design a RiveCan. And the company was basically two dudes without an actual business location. Quote, SNC-Lavalin Group Pandemic Field Hospitals, delivered by rush order two years ago under a $150 million contract, remain warehoused at a secret location, records show. The Department of Public Works has estimated storage of the little-used units is costing taxpayers an additional $135 million. The exact location of the warehouse cannot be shared. Now, let me simplify that for you. The government is saying, the federal government is saying, we paid a company probably owned by our friends around $150 million for field hospitals. Where are the materials for the field hospitals located? Uh, we can't, we can't show you right. We can't show you because it's in a secret location. It's a secret. It's a top secret. We're also paying another $135 million, keep them in this secret location that we can't show you. But yeah, I mean, we did give our buddies all of the money and we really did spend it on field hospital stuff, but we can't actually show you the evidence because it's a secret location. So what this really sounds like to me is the federal government contracted out their friends, giving them a whole bunch of our money to do nothing. And why can't we find the secret location? Uh, maybe because it doesn't actually exist and maybe because the material isn't there. 
maybe just a whole lot of money exchanged hands. Just a thought. How about this gem from True North News? Quote, Justin Trudeau announced the appointment of Toronto entrepreneur Mohamed Al-Zaibak as an independent senator Sunday. The decision has come under scrutiny due to Al-Zaibak's extensive history of financial contributions to the Liberal Party of Canada, totaling over $76,000. Despite being hailed by Trudeau for his business and philanthropic experience, as well as his community leadership in diversity and inclusion in his official announcement, Al Zyback's political affiliations are never mentioned. Of course they're never mentioned. Why would they be mentioned? That would reveal the whole game. Anyways, the, the article continues. Elections Canada records reveal that Al Zyback has made a total of 145 donations to the Liberal Party of Canada, with notable recipients including... Of course, prime hypocrite, hypocrite Justin Trudeau, Bob Ray, and Michael Ignatieff. Close quote. So th- there's a again. Here's the federal government saying, "No, we we're above board, and the people we appoint to be independent, you can trust them because they're hardworking and they devote lots of money to the cause of humanity." They also give a lot of money to see us win elections and help us get voted in. But never mind that. Never mind that. All these stories about the secret warehouse location, about the independent senator, about the money that's being spent on sex change. What this sounds like to what feels to me is the Wizard of Oz at the very end where you have the federal government has been exposed. The curtains come out and there's a federal government behind the curtain doing a you know, spinning a tail and actually trying to scare us and reveal and, and show us something different. And they've been exposed. And what are they saying? Don't pay any attention to that man behind the curtain. Don't forget about what your eyes can actually see. That's irrelevant. Just believe us that we're doing what's right. And they've been exposed. And more and more we see that it really is a petty wizard behind a curtain trying to scare and impress and push a narrative but we see it for what it is. Hopefully, more and more we see it for what it is. Now, what good would we be to you here on the dispatch if we didn't expose the cult of transianity on the regular? So let's wrap up with some LGBTQ madness in Canada. Actually, I like the way Chocolate Knox says it on Cross Politics, the LGBTQA. Maybe we'll start saying that the LGBTQA madness in Canada. This is from the Post Millennial. Quote. Canadian authorities have issued a safety alert for a transgender Native American convicted pedophile who was recently released from custody after being arrested for breaking parole agreements. Now, I just want to stop for a second. I wasn't planning on this, but as I'm reading that sentence out loud, I read that in my in my mind as I was preparing for today. But I just want to read that again, because reading it out loud kind of makes my brain hurt and my heart hurt a little bit. Transgender Native American convicted pedophile. I mean, I can't believe we live in a world where that is a thing. I'm, I'm amazed that we live in a country where that, that, that kind of character exists. Like I would imagine not that long ago, you would have someone probably on LSD writing some sort of short story about a dystopian future. And as they're writing this story, totally drugged out, I mean, completely high, just envisioning all sorts of 
crazy scenarios. This person's writing the story and saying, oh, and there happened to be a transgender Native American convicted pedophile. But that's reality now. We have become a bizarre video game, a, a bizarre cartoon from the 90s written by someone who's been smoking too much pot. I can't, this is, anyways, just reading that out loud, I had to share that with you. Reading that out loud ju just made me spin a little bit in my head. I cannot believe this is an actual category of person. Anyways, let's continue. The Edmonton Police Service issued the safety advisory on Friday and warned that Laverne Waskahat, who they described as a convicted violent sexual offender, poses an extreme risk to the community. Which makes me ask, then why release this transgender Native American convicted pedophile? Good question. Article continues. Laverne Waskahat, 47, who is a trans-identified biological male, has been convicted of violent sex crimes against children under the age of 16. Waskahat has been convicted on charges for possessing, making, and publishing child pornography involving male and female infants under three years old, according to police documents. Police said that Waskahat has been known to offend against the children while in a position of care over the child, such as babysitting, and has also been known to take voyeuristic photos in public of infants. Waskahat has also been known to engage in voyeuristic offensive behavior by frequently using public restrooms, such as those in malls, and might attempt to make friends with someone who has a small child, according to authorities. Waskahat was released from custody on Monday, January 22nd, 2024, after having been taken into custody on December 13th, 2023, for failing to report to Waskahat's parole officer. The transgender pedophile is being monitored by a parole officer and is residing in the Edmonton area. Close quote. That is freaking unbelievable. That is unbelievable and by the way if if you check the link in the in the description in the show notes and you go to the actual article from the post millennial any parent any parent who would allow this person to babysit their kids i i don't i, I don't even know what's wrong with i i can't what is wrong with you i can't imagine you like what what else what other danger are you putting your child in if you'd be okay with this, this is mine. This is mind blowing stuff. So let, so when Alberta truck drivers who were involved in a lawful protest and who are arrested on trumped up charges after a very questionable investigation are held for years without bail and without any information as to what's going on. However, serial sex offenders of children are simply monitored by their parole officers. Now, I would, I would suggest to you, this isn't incompetence. This isn't negligence. This is the intentional disintegration of Canadian society and Western cultural values. This is not by mistake. You, I've said this before. You cannot be this stupid by mistake. No one is this stupid by mistake. 
You have to plan. It takes work and intentionality to be this stupid. No one does this by mistake. Let's continue. Here's Waterloo doing their part in the intentional disintegration of Canadian society and Western cultural values. This is from the National Post. Twice a week, the University of Waterloo Athletic Center suspends its usual calendar of mid-morning swim lessons and reserves its 25-yard pool for the exclusive use of a demographic that, in their words, does not have a good relationship with water. I've, I feel like this is, this is like a, a skit from Chappelle's show in the early 2000s or something that you would see on SNL in the 80s or 90s. But nope, this is, this is really happening. The aim is to get more black folks into a space where they haven't always been welcomed, reads the official description for the black folks swim. That's what they're calling it, the black folks swim. A 60-minute black-only pool time. Users can use swim lengths, practice diving, or sign up for a lesson. But they and all the instructors must be black folks. This time is dedicated to building a better relationship with water for the black community, reads a bolded statement on the Black Folks Swim webpage, close quote. Again, just read. So when I, when I prepare the shows, when I prepare episodes, I'm reading, I'm consuming news, I'm writing. I don't read this stuff out loud. I read it in my head. But as I read it out loud, I can't believe how absurd it is. Again, this same totally tripped out on LSD writer from the 90s imagining a dystopian future where you have Native American transgender pedophiles, sex offender, like that, 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 that's the main character of this person's story. In this person's story, you also have a university that is dedicated to building a better relationship with water for the black community. That's, that seems so insane. So insane. How do people build a relationship with water? Like the word, the, the word salad, the euphemisms are so thick. It's, it's suffocating. It's suffocating. Now, aside from the absurdity of the situation, if you've noticed, friends, the University of Waterloo is turning their clock, clocks back a hundred years in promoting segregation in swimming pools. I thought we were done with that. Apparently not. This, by the way, is the insidious, grotesque face of leftist regressivism. This is what happens. You just go backwards. You never go actually. There's no actual progress. It's just regression. Regression. How about this story from Rebel News? Quote, last Wednesday, Rebel News was tipped off that the Centennial Colts were hosting the Seneca Sting in a female volleyball, con volleyball contest in Toronto. But not all the players were actually biological females. Indeed, we were stunned to find out that no fewer than five men were pretending to be women, three on Seneca, two on Centennial. At times, it was hard to watch. The men were definitely the dominant players on the court, especially when it came to spiking the ball. Indeed, our volleyball insider told us that the situation is so dire that it is no longer safe for biological women to compete. Close quote. 
and it's not just woke schools and institutions that are bowing to the gods of transianity. Oh, no, 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 no. The Canadian military, growing weaker and gayer by the minute, is telling soldiers they must bow to the gods as well. This is from LifeSite News. Quote, According to a leaked Canadian Armed Forces memo, the commanding officer of the 4th Canadian Division Support Group of the Greater Toronto Area Detachment, Major Robert P. Ryan, threatened soldiers who dared to throw out tampon dispensers, which had been placed in men's bathrooms as part of the military's new inclusion policy. I'm going to say it one more time. There again, that's something you read out loud for the first time and you hear it. It's, it's, it's absurd. It's completely absurd. It's otherworldly absurd. I'm currently reading the space trilogy by CS Lewis. And I've just finished the first book. I've entered into the second book, Perlandra. And when you, when you read the first book without read the first book without spoiling too much, you essentially have the interactions of a human on Mars with alien creatures. That, that is less absurd than this. This is more absurd than that. That's more. I could imagine living in that world more than I can imagine living in the world where soldiers are threatened to stop throwing out tampon dispensers in men's bathrooms by the Canadian military. But alas, here we are in a story even more absurd than C.S. Lewis could have ever imagined. Let's continue here. The article from LifeSite News. We have already had several incidences where the menstrual products in the male washrooms have been maliciously thrown in the garbage, Ryan told his regiment in an email obtained by independent media outlet True North. The petty acts of protest are simply wasteful and are only costing the taxpayer money as the items will need to be restocked, close quote. No, no, they're not petty. Not at all. They're tearing down idols and making war with a destructive ideology. The military brass are just upset that Canadian soldiers are refusing to bow to this rainbow false god. That's what's going on here. And we know that the cult of transianity is totally corrupt anyways. Here's a story from True North News. Quote, The federal government has ordered Pride Toronto to repay $505,000 in grant money after a KPMG study conducted in 2021, confirmed that many of the projects for which it received $1.8 million in funding were not completed. According to reports, Pride could not produce evidence they had completed the promised deliverables. There were three separate grants, $1 million from Public Safety Canada to develop better relations with the police, $250,000 to tell the story of the 50th anniversary of decriminalization of homosexuality in this country, and $600,000 to put together an exhibit of Indigenous artwork. By the time the entire amount was released to Pride Toronto, Pride Toronto member and York University ethics professor Tom Hooper discovered, using documents traced through a FOIA request, that some $900,000 of the $1 million was used to cover staff salaries instead of a 2020 Pride Pavilion and a partnership with Indigenous artist Kent Monkman. However, he reported on his website that KMPG, regrettably, did not investigate the fraud and forgery claims 
or the $1 million grant from the Federal Economic Development Agency, close quote. Well, there you have it, friends. You're all up to date. And as confusing of a statement as what I'm about to say might seem, I actually think we should be a little bit encouraged by the news as I brought it to you today. Now, here's why I would say that. We are not living in a fully transformed 1984 world yet. You see, in that world, the truth never gets out. In that world, dissidents and rebels are disappeared rather quickly. We still have the ability to reveal what's truly going on, to inform citizens about it, and to do something about it. The made nonsense was delayed, I believe, in part because of the massive pushback. And there was massive pushback. Pride Toronto was ordered to pay back the money that it was supposed to use. Albertan healthcare workers are being compensated for unlawful COVID jab mandate firings and layoffs and lack of employment. This is a question I have. Why would you self-censor and remain silent when, as of yet, you can still do it without instantly being arrested by the Ministry of Truth? This is the good news. The good news is that we are not living in 1984 just yet. I mean, we're going there. If we continue to self-censor and be silent and not be bold, we will definitely be marching more, more towards 1984, where the Ministry of Truth runs the day. But as we are still today, we have the ability to do that, to speak out, to reveal what's true, to help to change minds. So don't, don't perpetuate the problem by self-censoring. And by being too afraid to say things to family members, to friends on social media, to your pastor, to your boss, don't be so afraid because if we cower and if we give in to the pressure, then all we will do is expedite a 1984 reality. What I want to do is leave you with a portion of the scriptures that's uh, it's been in my heart for, for a while, at least for a week or so. And I hope it encourages you, and I, I it touches on what I've just said, that despite the evil around us, we still have the opportunity and really the duty before God to expose the darkness with the light of truth. So this is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 to 16. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Friends, Keep proclaiming the truth about the gospel, about the word of God, and about the evil and corruption in our country. 
shine the light of truth into every dark and dingy corner of Canadian culture and politics and trust the Lord to bring things into the light in his time and for his purposes, accomplishing his good and perfect will. Until next time, Galatians 5.1. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.